Hi there, welcome back to Sky High Musings. I'm Monica. Today, in honor of Black History Month, I'm going to be talking about Bessie Coleman, who was one of the pioneer aviators. Uh, she was really the first African American and also Native American descendant um, pilot, uh, woman pilot, that in American history, and um, she's pretty cool. So I actually did a lot of research on her. I did know about her, but I had not done a whole lot of research on her prior to this episode and has already been established uh, by my previous podcast about history that I am definitely no scholar when it comes to historical facts. So in light of that, I'm going to be doing something a little different, which will be um, actually stealing pretty much everything that I'm going to be talking about from um, an article on uh, in pbs.org. Uh, and I actually did a lot of research and I liked this article the best. It seemed to have the most um, compact information about Bessie without glossing over um, certain aspects of her life. So without further ado, I am going to share it with you. Once again, this is from American Experience, which is on pbs.org. So the name of the uh, article is called Fly Girls Bessie Coleman from the Women in American History. Uh, Bessie Coleman was the first African-American woman and also the first Native American pilot, grew up in a cruel world of poverty and discrimination. The year after her birth in Atlanta, Texas, an African-American man was tortured and then burned to death in nearby Paris for allegedly raping a five-year-old girl. The incident was not unusual. Lynchings were endemic throughout the South. African-Americans were essentially barred from voting by literacy tests. They couldn't ride in railway cars with white people or use a wide range of public facilities set aside for whites. When young Bessie first went to school at the age of six, it was to a one-room wooden shack a four-mile walk from her home. Often there wasn't enough paper to write on or pencils to write with. When Coleman turned 23, she headed to Chicago to live with two of her older brothers, hoping to make something of herself. But the Windy City offered little more to an African-American woman than did Texas. When Coleman decided she wanted to learn to fly, the double stigma of her race and gender meant that she would have to travel to France to realize her dreams. It was soldiers returning from World War I with wild tales of flying exploits who first interested Coleman in aviation. She was also spurred on by her brother who taunted her with claims that French women were superior to African-American women because they could fly. In fact, very few American women of any race had pilot's licenses in 1918. Those who did were predominantly white and wealthy. Every flying school that Coleman approached refused to admit her because she was both black and a woman. On the advice of Robert Abbott, the owner of the Chicago Defender and one of 
the first African-American millionaires, Coleman decided to learn to fly in France. Bessie learned French at Berlitz School in the Chicago Loop. She withdrew the savings she had accumulated from her work as a manicurist and the manager of a chili parlor. And with the additional financial support of Abbott and another African-American entrepreneur, she set off to Paris from New York on November 20th in 1920. It took her seven months to learn how to fly. I'd like to just say something here, and that is that aviation is a very, I don't think it was quite so bad back in the 20s when she learned how to fly, but it's um, filled with lingo, and I cannot imagine doing this as uh, in, in a second language. So for her going from English to learning how to fly in French, uh, to me, that, that right there would be a deal breaker. So I just think that's, uh, uh, that's just my editorial, but unbelievable. That's just fantastic. She was the only non-Caucasian student in her class. She was taught in a 27-foot biplane that was known to fail frequently, sometimes in the air. During her training, Coleman witnessed fellow students die in a plane crash, which she described as a terrible shock to her nerves. But the accident didn't deter her, and in June 1921, she got her uh, and she got an international pilot's license. When Coleman returned to the U.S. in September of 21, scores of reporters turned out to meet her. The Air Service News noted that Coleman had become a full-fledged aviatrix, the first in her race. She was invited as a guest of honor to attend the all-black musical Shuffle Along. The entire audience, including the several several hundred whites in the orchestra seats, rose to give the first African-American female pilot a standing ovation. Over the next five years, Bessie performed at countless air shows. The first took place on September 3rd, 1922 in Garden City, Long Island. Now, one thing the article doesn't say in here is um, this is pretty much, it's kind of a weird thought when we rely on aviation so much nowadays as transportation, but back then this was just um, kind of a sideshow really, uh, or for sure a side hustle. So there weren't a lot of ways to make money being a pilot. Uh, in those days. So really being a demo pilot was probably the number one way to make it happen. So that's what Bessie was doing. She was just pretty much doing what everyone else was doing um, other than flying mail around. That was pretty much what what everyone did. So, um, so according to a reporter from Kansas, as many as 3,000 people, including local dignitaries, attended the event. Um, Over the following years, Coleman used her position of prominence to encourage other African-Americans to fly. She also made a point of refusing to perform at locations that would not admit members of her race. Bessie Coleman was a total lady boss. Um, Coleman took her tragic last flight on April 30th, 1926 in Jacksonville, Florida. Together with a Texan mechanic named William Willis, Coleman was preparing for an air show that was to have taken place the following day. Um, What they didn't say in this article that I saw in several other articles was that she was actually um, planning to do uh, a skydive. 
So she was allowing him to fly the airplane so she could scope out places uh, to look for, to land and to jump uh, for the air show that she was doing the next day. So that was uh, the plan for that, according to some other things that I read. Um, At 3,500 feet with wheels at the controls, an unsecured wrench somehow got caught in the control gears and the plane unexpectedly plummeted towards earth. Coleman, who wasn't wearing a seatbelt, fell to her death. And once again, something that was not in this uh, article that I did read in several other articles was that the airplane itself had had a lot of mechanical issues and um, family members had warned her about going up in the airplane that day and they think that's why the wrench was there because the plane had been having so many problems that they the mechanic had been working on it quite a bit Uh, after she died about 10,000 mourners paid their last respects to the first african-american woman aviator filing past her coffin in chicago's south side her funeral was attended by several prominent african-americans and it was presided over by Ida B. Wells, an outspoken advocate of equal rights. Despite massive turnouts and the tributes paid to Coleman during the service, several black reporters believed the scope of Coleman's accomplishments had never truly been recognized during her lifetime. An editorial in the Dallas Express stated, there is reason to believe that the general public did not completely sense the size of her contribution to the achievements of the race as such. Coleman has not been forgotten in the decades since her death. For a number of years starting in 1931, black pilots from Chicago instituted an annual flyover of her grave. In 1977, a group of African-American women pilots established the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club. And in 1992, a Chicago City Council revolution requested that the U.S. Postal Service issue a Bessie Coleman stamp. The resolution noted that Bessie Coleman continues to inspire untold thousands, even millions of young persons with her sense of adventure, her positive attitude, and her determination to succeed. And that's the end of the article, and that is also going to be the end of the podcast because I cannot top that last thought. Bessie Coleman definitely deserves her spot in history. I was really grateful to be able to share a tiny bit of her story, and I encourage anyone who's out there who might have a little interest in this matter to do their own research. Thanks for listening. As always, I'd like to thank you for joining today. And if you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the channel.